Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O little Therese of the child Jesus, please pick for me a rose from the heavenly gardens and send it to Jesus and Mary with my message of love. Ask for the favor I thee implore, which is to love them each day more and more than the day before. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. That's sort of a prayer St. Therese wrote. Um, the first two lines, and then I kind of altered it. Her prayer says, send me a flower. Um, I don't need any flowers, but I would love her to go visit Jesus and Mary and bring a flower on behalf of myself and also to give them a kiss from me. I've been praying this prayer for years. <clears throat> first of all, the reason I bring it up is tomorrow is her feast day, St. Therese, the little flower, uh, Therese of Lisieux. Um, we won't be on the air Battle Ready is not on Saturday, so we're going to talk about her today. So anyway, I learned this prayer years and years ago, and then I started praying it and started changing the words because I wanted to be sending them flowers. <clears throat> Sometimes I request colors. You know, on certain days, if it's a martyr's uh, feast day, I'll say, oh, please pick the most beautiful red flowers from the Heavenly Garden and bring them to Jesus and Mary with my message of love. Well, one day I was praying before the Blessed Sacrament, and Jesus said to me, you're going to be shocked when you get here and see all these flowers. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, you know, in heaven, the flowers are heavenly flowers. They don't die. Nothing in heaven has death. So they just live on. And you've been sending us flowers for years, and there's just a massive amount of these flowers around our throne. Um, it kind of took me by surprise and shocked me a little bit. And I thought, how wonderful that there'll be all these wonderful... And by the way, they have the most sweet aromas of nothing we know on earth. And so uh, I'm very much looking forward to the day when I can see all the flowers I've sent to Jesus and Mary through the little flower Therese, something you can begin doing yourself. Uh, so just some good news, uh, more good news. We, we like to bring you good news when we can. So there's a group, uh, Aid to the Church in Need, ACN. It's a United States organization, and they have a campaign going on to get one million children to pray the rosary on October 18th. We will be participating here at St. Catherine of Siena in Columbia, Tennessee. You can uh, Google this. The website is uh, churchinneed.org and then look up one million children on their website and bring it to your pastors and say, we would like to do this as well. Let's get all the children we have in our parish to pray the rosary and join the million children rosary on October 18th. It's to pray for peace and unity in the world, which is something our, our Queen of Peace in Heaven has been saying for years, asking us to pray for peace for the world. Uh, so this would be a very good thing. The president is Cardinal Moro Piacenza. And so this cardinal is heading up this, spearheading this project, which is a wonderful thing. What a great thing. Imagine how uh, edified Heaven would be to see all the children across the country praying the rosary together in unison in harmony. So a good thing for you to ask your pastor to participate in as well. So <clears throat> 
St. Therese of Lisieux is undoubtedly one of the church's most cherished saints. I would say, in my own experience, when I go around giving missions and uh, retreats and talks across the country, even outside the country for that matter, when I go into Catholic churches, there's a few things I always, almost always see is Joseph and Mary statues, always. And then of other saints, St. Therese is probably the most popular. Her, and I would say Pio is very popular, but I think Therese, there's more statues of Therese out there than Pio even. So she's a saint that's really uh, someone who resonates in the heart of Catholics. And I think something so wonderful about her is she was a very simple, ordinary person. She died very young, 24 years old, just, uh, and she lived her life behind the, the walls of the cloister of Carmel. And, you know, she wrote uh, a book, The Story of a Soul, uh, about her own experience and her own um what would you call it? I guess her own theology, her own uh, prayer life, her own spirituality. And she very much, uh, she's very honest. And I think she wrote the book under obedience. She didn't want to do it initially because she thought it was drawing too much attention to herself, which is true. But when you were told to do it under obedience, obedience trumps everything else. So she was very obedient and wrote the book. She spent many hours in adoration. I can't impress upon people enough the importance of going to Eucharistic adoration. In those hours of adoration, she wrote something like 2,000 hymns, uh, hundreds of prayers, so many writings about uh, teachings that the Lord Jesus gave to her, and she went on and eventually wrote this book. The same is true for us. When I first started this, I really didn't know what I was doing. It was back in uh, 2002. I was living in Boston with Father Tom DiLorenzo. Father Tom spent about three hours before the Blessed Sacrament every day with his Bible. And he just soaked in the scriptures before the presence of the Word made flesh. And this is how he had such a vibrant radio show. He never really prepared for radio. He would talk for 26 minutes and 30 seconds every day without doing any research at all. He would just put his head down, open the Bible, stare at a scripture and go, today we're going to talk about, and boom. And then he'd read the scripture and he'd go and he'd sail off for 26 minutes and 30 seconds nonstop. Why and how could he do that? Because he spent all that preparation time, not directly preparing for the radio, but sitting before the Lord, soaking in the word uh, of Jesus Christ in the scriptures. Today happens to be the feast of St. Jerome. Jerome is one of the four Latin fathers of the church, four of the great doctors of the church. Jerome was born in the fourth century, died in, I think, 420, 420, I believe. And he is the one who's responsible for translating the entire scriptures into Latin. Uh, and his most famous quote is, ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of Christ. That's the only reason I put that in there, is so you understand. We must be a people who know the word of God in the scriptures. So anyway, um, Therese was very uh, much dedicated to her holy hours. 
And she would also have mystical visions of Jesus. Uh, even as a young child, she had visions of Jesus as also as a young boy. And he began uh, forming her, training her at a very young age uh, to where she would become his own when she became a bride as a Carmelite nun. Uh, why is she called the little flower? Because she saw herself like the simple wildflowers in the field. She wasn't some glamorous lily or some beautiful rose with the great fragrance that they both contain. No, she was a wild, a little simple wildflower in the field, unnoticed by most. Yet they grow and they give glory to God. And so she saw herself as both simple, but also as hidden, but also blooming where God had planted her. She really did. And, you know, she had such a great desire to be a missionary, a missionary that would go to foreign places like China. That was her dream. She never left the cloister. However, God, in his great, uh, I would say, humor, uh, years later after her death, she was made the patron saint of missionaries, even though she never stepped foot out of the convent. Isn't that amazing what God can do? So she wrote this wonderful book, uh, Story of a Soul. If you haven't read it, go get it and uh, maybe read it through the month of October. It's, it's very simple to read. She writes plainly and simply. That's not a, a jab at her. It's actually a benefit. So the more people that can understand this spirituality of being a little flower, the more people will come closer to God. This is what a quote from her, her book, Story of, the, of a Soul. Jesus set before me the book of nature. I understand how all the flowers God had created are beautiful, how the splendor of the rose and the whiteness of the lily do not take away the perfume of the violet or the delightful simplicity of the daisy. I understand that if all flowers wanted to be roses, nature would lose her springtime beauty and the fields would no longer be decked out with little wild flowers. So, it is in the worlds of souls, Jesus's garden. So it is in the worlds of souls, that is Jesus's garden. He has created smaller ones, and those must be content to be daisies or violets, destined to give joy to God's glances when he looks down at his feet. Perfection consists in doing his will, in being what he wills us to be. Isn't that, she really had a, a keen grasp of uh, the spiritual life and what is pleasing to God. So many times we look for lofty, uh, grandiose plans to please the Lord. Uh, and some people are called to do those things, you know, like build a cathedral or found a school or found a religious order. But most people aren't. Most people are called to live a life uh, in quiet simplicity, uh, giving glory to God in simple things. So what can we learn from the little flower? Well, first of all, childlikeness. In referring to herself, uh, St. Therese used the image of a child's ball. This is in the book. It's a fascinating little way she looks at things. And she yearned to be the little plaything of the child Jesus. And she says this, quote, I told him not to use me as a valuable toy, children are content to look at, but dare not touch, but to use me like a ball of no value, which he could throw to the ground, push with his foot, pierce, leave in a corner, 
or press to his heart if it pleased him. You see, the little flower's uh, childlikeness was actually very mature and uh, born of great strength. She had a tremendous ability to self-surrender to God and a selflessness about her activity in, in the cloister. She really was living for others, first God and then her, her companion sisters. And her childlikeness was tested and purified through the struggles of life. You could call it a heroic sanctity. Now, you may think, Father Dan, she lived in a cloister with nuns. These are all holy women. How hard could life in the cloister be? Well, I'll tell you something. The most difficult thing on earth is uh, living together in peace and solidarity with fellow human beings. It's not easy, even with other people who are all trying to become saints. And she writes in her book about one particular sister that she was assigned to wash dishes with. And this sister was very forceful in the way she washed the dishes and she splashed the soapy water all over Therese every time they did dishes. And she was, by the time they were done doing the dishes, she was soaked. And this bothered her quite a bit. And she had to surrender it to the Lord and give it over to him. Now, you might think, well, that's such a tiny thing to be, you know, fussing over. She never fussed over it, but she wrote that it was an annoyance. She's being honest. We have things that annoy us, right? And by the way, she died at 24, you know, from an illness that was uh, very debilitating. So she did know the cross in ways we probably haven't even yet to, to, to dally with. So from her childlikeness sprang her little way, this little way. And this is her method of doing the ordinary things with great and extraordinary love. I'll say that again. The little way is to do ordinary things with extraordinary love, like washing the dishes after a meal. Did you ever think you could do that with extraordinary love? We can. We can say, Lord, I want these dishes to be as the most clean and beautiful I can make them out of love for you. You can wash uh, the toilets, she, that was one of her jobs as well for a while. I remember when I went uh, into religious life, I entered on the Feast of the Archangels, which my anniversary would have been yesterday. And the very next day was the first day I was put to work. And um, the job I was given was to clean the toilets. So on the Feast of St. Therese, I remember thinking, ah, isn't this interesting? I've been given a job that she had. So I'm going to wash these toilets with uh, a heroic sanctity by doing this out of love for God and making the bathroom so clean that when, when any of the brothers come to use this bathroom, they'll be so uh, overjoyed by the cleanliness of the toilet. I mean, it sounds silly to say it, but we can do these things. We can do these things. And these things that we do with great love actually um, are so pleasing to the Lord. This is how we please him. You know, we want to be a people, not, everybody's loved by God, we know this, but not everybody's pleasing the Lord. I hope you know that. Not everybody's pleasing the Lord. So you want to be somebody that not only is loved by God, but pleasing him and most pleasing for him to behold. Uh, another thing we could say about her is that her prayer life was completely uncomplicated uncomplicated. Instead of uh, long, very arduous prayers, she preferred to just speak plainly and directly to God and to Mother Mary. 
very simple, like a child. This is her spirituality, you know. The little flower is also like a little child. Uh, and that doesn't mean some of the other saints, like her big, you know, big sister in quotes, uh, Teresa of Avila, she had some very lofty prayers. Um, she had a different spirituality. She was much more into the mysticism, not because she wanted to be. That's the, just the path Jesus led her on. So, but this is a simple little way. And everybody can pray like this because this is the way you talk to your best friend, the way you talk to somebody you love. This is how you can talk to God, just plain and simple. So what do I mean by that? Well, when you go off into your prayer time, uh, calm yourself down, turn off all your gadgets, your phones, your computer, all that. Ask your guardian angel to protect your mind, protect your thoughts, uh, and ask the Holy Spirit to come. And then simply do this. You say, Lord, I'm so happy to spend time with you today. Um, or you can pick a person, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the God the Father, or all of them. You know, they're all together, too. And just say, uh, thank you. Thank you for these things. And then list uh, some of the things that you're grateful for. Something that many people never remember to thank God for is, I always say, thank you for all the gifts, graces, and blessings of this day, those known and those unknown, those seen and those unseen. I have a hunch that much of the graces we receive, we don't even know we're receiving and we don't see them with our eyes, but they actually are quite impactful in becoming better people and becoming more saintly. Um, and, uh, you know, after talking to Father Wolfgang yesterday, uh, it, it seems very clear to me and hopefully to you that the angels are constantly working on our behalf. And yet we, we, we don't see it and we may not even realize it. But that's something we should be thanking God for every day. Those things seen and unseen, those things known and unknown. It's important. So once you go through your litany of gratitude, then you can just speak uh, about the things that are on your heart. So, for example, today, you know, one of the things I brought to the Lord this morning was all the suffering people in Florida who have no power, who have no food, who have lost loved ones, who have missing, maybe missing family members that got washed away in the uh, streams of water. All the damage, the shutdown businesses. You, you know, something I did. I realized yesterday afternoon. I had ordered a statue from a company in the United States. I, I prefer to order from American companies than going over to China. But anyway, uh, we ordered a statue, life-size statue of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, uh, pure marble, and it's been a while. So yesterday, this is how the Holy Spirit nudges people, particularly me. I went on to pull up the invoice to see what is taking so long. Where is the statue? And uh, lo and behold, I looked at the invoice and it was it was ordered quite a while ago. Um, I think about six months. Uh, but the thing that caught my attention was the address of the company, Bonita Springs, Florida. That was literally, like, directly where the hurricane came on land on the West Coast. So I pulled up 
uh, a picture, a video of the area, and it was completely underwater. And this particular gallery is about a block from the uh, from the water, from the, the, I guess it's the Gulf. So I thought, oh, Jesus, these poor people, they, we don't even know if they're alive. I hope they got away safely, and you know, who knows, the shop might be gone. But we began to pray, I told the office ladies here, and we began to pray for all those people. See how God does that? He, he, he connected me to somebody that I'd already been working with, but had no idea where they were located. I didn't really care at the time when I made the order, just that they were in, in America. But they were right there in the path of Hurricane Ian. So I called them up and left them a voicemail telling them we're praying for them. We're, we'll continue to pray for them until we hear from them and know they're okay. Uh, that's how that works. So, uh, I lost my train of thought. But anyway, that doesn't matter. We're, we're talking about the child likeness. And, oh, the way she prays. Yes, of course. Uh, so, then you can put the petitions of, on your, of your heart. So, that was my example of one of my petitions I, I placed on uh, in my prayer time with Jesus this morning. Pray for the people in Florida. Uh Lord, protect them, send your angels to minister to them, uh, send your divine assistance as well uh, by the Holy Spirit. Perhaps there's other things. Um, I'm always concerned for the children of the world and their innocence because there's an attack on children. So that could be, you just go through all the things that are on your heart. When you finish doing that, then you say to the Lord, now what's on your heart today, Jesus or Father or Holy Spirit? And then sit quietly and see what comes to mind. This is a very important part of our prayer, is to know the mind of God. And this is where he'll speak back to you. And he might give you an image, he might give you a word, he might give you a scripture. You know, um, behold, I'm doing a new thing, do you perceive it? That's what just came to mind this very second as I was waiting for the Lord to speak. He's doing a new thing, do you perceive it? Sometimes people don't like new things. We like our habits. We like the things the way they are. But um, whatever he speaks to you, then, you know, integrate that into your heart and uh, act on it. Whatever way you feel is the way you should be moving in the spirit. Another very wonderful quality of Therese is her joy. And this is a character trait. It's actually a gift of God um, for those who love him that is severely lacking in this world. Severely lacking. Where is the joy? Well, the little flower, she rejoiced in everything. She rejoiced in her imperfections. She embraced them as a means uh, by which she could grow closer to God. So everything for her was a reason to rejoice, even, even the flaws she had. And uh, in her imperfections, she was too small to climb the stairway of perfection, and so this is key. Listen to this. So she needed an elevator. She needed, this is in her book too, she needed Jesus's arms to raise her up. And, uh, you know, she had tuberculosis. Again, very debilitating, very painful. And despite having this disease, she maintained an unaffected cheerfulness all the time. She was uh, funny. She played little harmless tricks. She had jokes. Uh, she laughed often. And uh, she even joked about the inability of her doctor to help her, that Jesus was reserving 
um, this illness as a way to purify her and eventually that would bring her home to heaven very quickly. She did have a concern for the pain of others, but never for herself, another sign of a great saint. And of course, finally, I think the greatest character of her was her ability to love. She wanted to be the heart of the church. She perceived through the writings of St. Paul that there were many parts to the mystical body of Christ. And when she prayed about it, she realized, I want to be the heart, the, the part of the mystical body that fuels the rest of the body with graces through love and her prayers. And she really did become that. Uh, a fascinating, very brief but powerful life that she had. And her love for God, and I would say even for others, had had no limits. It had no limits. Why? Because she lived for Jesus alone. And when you can do that, when you start living for God alone and not worried about what other people think or for other people's approval, that's when you soar to the heights of perfection in the, in the spiritual life. Uh, another quote from her book is this. It seems to me that if all creatures had received the same graces I received, God would be feared by none, but would be loved to the point of folly. And through love, not through fear, no one would ever consent to cause him any pain. It's true, profound for such a young person. So in her childlike, joyful love, Therese truly became uh, God's little flower. And she left her little way to all of us as a testimony and as an example to follow her way and to make our own little way right into the arms of Jesus. That was her prayer for us. That's my prayer for you today. Enjoy this saint tomorrow on her feast day. And may Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Father Dan signing off. Mm -hmm.